0: For those of us that know and have experienced the love of God, it really is something to contemplate it and to sing about it and to think about how much he truly does love us and how vast his grace is for us. And I love when we get to have baptisms because Kind of a double edged sword. For those of us who are believers, it can serve as a reminder of how good God has been in our lives and reflect us back to a time when He did a saving work in us and called us to Himself and we by faith surrendered our life to Him and were never the same afterwards. But also for those of you here tonight who may not fully understand the love of God and how great it is for you and how much He truly can change and transform your life in ways that you can't even imagine then I hope tonight the testimony of Caitlin and the testimony of Tucker that you're going to get to hear in the next few moments can can bring you to that point where you fall into the love of Christ, where you experience the abundant life that he has to offer into your life. And so we're going to continue with another story session tonight, and this is going to be the last one that we do. So next week, we'll kind of get back to more of a normal setting around here, but Just as I was praying last week that God would use Mallory's testimony in a powerful way to change somebody's life or to lead them into making a decision that perhaps they fought off for a long time, we've seen that at work already. So in the same way I was praying that through Mallory's testimony, I've been praying that for Tucker tonight as he sits here and shares his testimony with you guys as well. So in case you don't know who Tucker is, this is Tucker Robertson. He's part of my life support leadership team here Tucker, I interviewed back in the summer as well, he got to share with our people that are here on a weekly basis in the summer, and so you guys get the privilege of hearing about what Christ has done in his life in these next few moments, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to encourage and challenge you to really lean into his testimony as well tonight. Don't check out, and hear what God has to say through him tonight, because it really is a powerful word of grace and love and redemption, and of Christ's pursuit of our hearts and our souls, and him not being content to let us just continue down the path that we were continuing down in our sin and our rebellion against him. So Tucker, man, I'm happy to have you here with us tonight. I'm thankful for this moment once again, because it causes me to reflect back on the relationship that we've been able to build over the past few years, kind of how God brought you here to our church. And I know we don't have time to get into all that, but you know, I know a side of this guy that many of you don't. And seeing him come, God direct his path to our church, him get plugged in here, seeing what God's done in his life over the past few years, seeing the way that he has plugged into our church and has discipled young people and has served in in all kinds of different aspects, has gone and participated on mission trips. It's just a, a joy to have this brother sitting here with me tonight. So let's help them get to know Tucker a little bit tonight as we get started. Tell them a little bit about who you are, what you got your degree in, what you're currently doing right now because college is behind you. You're in the real world now. You're in the working world, which is a joy all in and of itself. So give them a little bit of an insight of who Tucker is and what Tucker's doing currently.
1: Yeah, so I grew up um, in Collinwood, Tennessee, about 30 minutes from here. Um, Went to school at MTSU. I graduated from MTSU, Middle Tennessee State, in Tennessee. Um, Grew up in a really – Collinwood's a really small town, um, much smaller than Florence, believe it or not. Um, And so – That was kind of a, you know, culture change. But growing up, I was very much so in church. That was a very normal thing. grew up um, going to the same two churches my parents um, went to and was super involved in that. Um, But as far as, you know, after that, kind of, I got my degree in teaching. And so I have been teaching, and I'm a basketball coach at Colbert County. Um, I've been there for, this will be four years now. So it feels weird being out of college for four years. But... um, yeah excited about you know that journey and where he's brought me with that I'm telling y'all you don't all realize how fast time goes by
0: once you cross that stage like it's insane because he's talking about how he does not realize or how how quick four years has gone by like it's been eleven years since that happened for me like some of y'all are thinking man one of these days I'm working towards my ten year high school reunion like I've already blown past my ten year college reunion like it does not slow down any whatsoever so you You're coaching, you're teaching, Colbert County High School here in our area, you had the opportunity to become the head basketball coach, varsity basketball coach there, so kind of just fill us in a little bit on what that's like. That's something that I know kind of was a desire of your heart, and God has blessed you in that, but let's talk about, because I know there's, college is a season of transition, you know, it's a lot of change, it's a lot of difference. You come out of high school, you have to transition into the college setting, and no sooner than you kind of get adjusted to that, you leave college behind and you transition into the real world. So what's that transition kind of been like for you over the past four years, getting used to leaving academic life behind to going into career life a little bit?
1: So in college, I knew um, pretty early on, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and a basketball coach. I coached youth teams, summer teams, help with high school teams all throughout college. And so that was a desire that I definitely always um Always had. And luckily, I got at a place that I was able to, you know, kind of be a part of that. Was lucky to to get hired at where I I am now. Um, But yeah, it was always a desire. And it wasn't actually until I started coaching as an assistant um, that for the first time in my life, I really started to kind of question if that was what I was supposed to actually be doing or not. It was something that I'd never really thought about. I loved coaching so much that it just made sense that um, coaching is a good thing. So therefore that's what God wants me to do because that's a good thing, you know, and I'm you know, I think I'm good at it, I enjoy it. So that it made sense that, that that's where he would be leading me. But um really about two and a half, about a year and a half ago, maybe, you know, I started just wrestling with some things and really struggling to know if that was my purpose or if I was supposed to be at that place. Um, you know, if I was supposed to be teaching. You know, I had an opportunity to go on some mission trips and thought that might be something that God was calling me towards. Thought he might be calling me to a different school to not even be coaching anymore, and I really wrestled with those things and kind of struggled with um, a career that I'd kind of prayed for and was, you know, in a, in the process of having, and I wasn't exactly sure. I got to a point to where I wasn't sure if that was what I was supposed to be doing in my life or if that was God's will um, for my life. But you know, to kind of make a long story, you know, short with that, those things didn't work out. You know, a lot of prayer and really unrest, and make you know, getting into some of that later but I didn't have peace about a lot of things. Um, and God kept me at where I was at. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I know that because of that, then just the next year after dealing with all that, I was lucky enough, um, to be the head coach at the place I'm at now. And I, you know, super blessed and thankful that, you know, that I have the opportunity and where I have it at. I couldn't be more thankful about the position that it's in, not just the the title that it holds, but the the place that is in, the place that I've been at, and, you know, I've gotten to, to know a lot of the kids and build relationships, and so I'm thankful that I didn't go somewhere else or didn't go chasing something else and that God had me there for a reason, you know, and that reason, I believe now, is coming to fruition.
0: So being a teacher, being a coach, obviously, you get to be a part of a lot of lives, a lot of young lives, and you have a lot of influence over those lives. Like, I know there's probably several people in this room coming through high school, You know, if you played sports or even if you didn't, you had a specific teacher or you had a specific coach that made a big impact on your life. Somebody that you remember to this day as having a a huge influence, a huge impact over your life. So, you know, as a teacher, as a coach, and I wanted to hit on this just a little bit and we'll transition this into your testimony afterwards. But what kind of influence, you know, are you seeking to make upon the lives of the students that are in your classroom the young man that you're on the basketball court with? Like, what do you see as your mission in the position that God has allowed you to be in?
1: Yeah, so I definitely think that, um, you know, God gives all of us a calling and a purpose specific to, you know, our lives. And I believe that I'm lucky enough to have found mine early. And I'm kind of living that out, you know, as he sees fit Um, right now. And if you've played sports or you've seen it, as cliche as it sounds, you know, you could give the whole like, you know, I'm not here to win games. I'm just here to grow young men. And it's like, that is, you know, true, but that's very a cliche um, answer. But it is, um, it's just important to me in the position that I'm at that um, it's something that I try to, you know, pray every day to not take lightly. Um, that, you know, I see in my classroom 120, 130 kids every day, you know, for pretty much the entirety, you know, almost feels like the entirety of the year. And if you play sports or played sports in high school, you know that you don't really get summers off. I mean, you pretty much spend your summer with whichever team you're playing and usually multiple teams. And so the kids on my basketball team, I see, you know, I see them well, three-fourths of the year every day for, you know, three-fourths of the year. And so it's an opportunity for um, for me to build relationships with them, but it also holds me accountable in the sense that they are very, um, you know, they watch a lot of stuff and they know um, – You know, they watch teachers, coaches, adults very, very closely. And it's even something that opens up to me. Or I've seen more over the years how much, um, just whether it be youth kids out here, you know, on a Wednesday night or in Sunday school or in church or actually at my job, that how much they watch and and listen to the way we respond to things, the way we say to things. And it opens up, um, you know, gospel conversations. And so one of the things that I think is important and I try to do the best of is using that and being a steward of that opportunity and that time wisely, not just seeing it as an opportunity to, well, how can I be better at my job? How can I be a better teacher? How can I be a better coach? But it's not building relationships so that my life is easier or my job is better, but it's building relationships that hopefully, you know, have eternal value and not just value, um, you know, in a monetary or a sport or a a school, but that it's impacting the souls of, you know, of young people. And I think that's needed. And I think that, um, you know, God has me in that place for a reason. So everything that he
0: just said right there kind of epitomizes what we seek to do with you guys in the time that we have you here. Train you up to be men and women of God so that you can go out from this place and train others up to be men and women of God as well. Because right now you have a specific mission field on campus where you're at. But when you leave that place, think about it, guys. Think, think about all the faces in this room tonight. If all of us were to give our lives to Jesus... And to become, like we started off this semester talking about, consumed with him. All of you leave this place, you graduate, you start a career. God spreads us out across the globe. There's that many of us in this room that can then go and have an impact in those different places with the gospel and building the kingdom. And so that's why we pour our heart and souls into discipling you now so that you can make disciples as you go as well. So you can sit in a position one day. So you can... Find your career, find the path that God has laid out for you, and not just see it as an opportunity for monetary gain or for career clout or for achievements or goals or personal ambitions or anything like that, but with the mission of the gospel at the forefront of your mind, at your heart, that why I exist to be in this place is to make the name of Jesus known and to direct lost lives towards Him. So, that being said, let's. Let's get into how Jesus changed Tucker's life a little bit. Now, I asked Mallory this very pointedly last week, and I'm going to do the same to you as we get into your testimony. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then tell us kind of how that came to be. How did, how did Christ begin calling you to himself? What are the things that he used? Kind of what season of life were you in just just give us Tucker's personal testimony of salvation how Jesus has changed your life.
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I you know, grew up in church like I'm sure a lot of you um in here may have, and was very um my mom was very um diligent in reading the word with me, taking me to church, being in Sunday school, like and just having conversations about it. So I was very much around it. Um and was even like, you know, through Middle School and High School was involved in FCA, I don't know if you know what that is, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but it's a, you know, it's a student Christian organization and so I was involved in that. My mom was in charge of it at our school. I pretty much came the de facto like prayer at every meeting because nobody would pray and so I would just have to lead prayer pretty much every single meeting so I got used to that at an early age. But, you know, that's kind of what I did throughout, you know, growing up. And so that whole time I had um you know, all the head knowledge of God knew everything about church, was very good at church speak, saying the right things, doing the right things. But there was, um, you know, there wasn't a heart change. There wasn't a um, a life change. There was a lifestyle change in a sense, but there wasn't a um, a life change. And so that kind of went on all throughout high school. And then early, early into college, well, kind of the end of high school, early into college was really the only time that I would say I kind of fully like what the world would say was rebelled against God. You know, it was mostly I was not doing godly things or I was not, um, I was kind of sinning by omission for most of my life, not doing the things I was supposed to be doing. But there was a stretch kind of, I guess that built up over so long and it got to a point to where it was like, well, if I'm not going to go all in, then why would I even be half in? You know, and that's um, kind of the mindset I had for a stretch is if I'm not going to really live it out, why shouldn't I enjoy what the world has to offer? You know, and it stinks to say that now, but that's kind of the mindset that I, um, that I had for a bit. And so I got to college, I actually, I transferred three different times, but I ended up at MTSU. So that's what we'll focus on. I um, Got to MTSU as a junior and moved fully away from home. Um, and so at this kind of stage, I'm still kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything what the world would say is bad. You know, I'm not partying, doing drugs, you know, not living this awful lifestyle. My parents and family would have thought that I was fine. Um, and anybody who asked me, I would have absolutely said that, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. You know, I went to church. I went to um, we had campus outreach at MTSU up there. And so I was a part of that campus ministry with some friends that I grew up with. And so through that, um, God used friends that I had in high school um, and had grown up with to kind of show me, that um you know, I wasn't living for him, and I wasn't all in, and there wasn't a heart change, and you know he began to start to work in my life to show me that through our conversations and their discipleship of me, I pretty quickly realized that the way they talk, the things they do, and the way they speak about God was way different than the experiences I had, and way different than the things that I did. I went to the same events, I did the same things, but their heart behind it was way different than mine um. You know, and he used that to really, I mean, tug on my heart and just, you know, had me questioning, you know, was I really a believer? Was I saved? Was I a believer? Had I I just been doing all these things? And so I went to a, I mean, what the thing was called, it was a New Year's conference, kind of like Passion, but it wasn't Passion. Um, And a guy who was kind of over the campus outreach in the area, I'd, I'd never met him. His name was Tony. I'll never forget it. I don't even know his last name. But Tony set three or four of us down and, he gave us a little sheet of paper and he had us right on there. If you were to die today, like what, a, one through 10, you know, how confident are you you would go to heaven? You know, 10 being no question, like whatever happens, I'm going to heaven. One obviously being no question, I'm going to hell. And so it was like three or four of us and I sat there for a little bit and thought about it. And really, you know, didn't want to be the guy that, you know, he did not want to go too low. But I didn't want to go too high because I wasn't a 10. I was like, what about a six or seven? You know, that's kind of, I've been in church, we'll go, that's, that's a safe, that's a safe number. I'm not too spiritual, but I'm not, we're not you know, down there on the bottom. And so he takes all the things and none of us had written a 10, which I, I don't think it was an accident that these specific groups of people were at this table because I think we were probably all in the same boat. And we were in a building, like just a random table, just to set the scene. And he takes all these numbers and he pulls out a lighter and he lights them all on fire on the table. And he was like, if you're not a 10, you know, that's your eternity. And I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, and it just rocked me. You know, God had been tugging on my heart and it was a, a tangible example of what my eternity looked like, because it didn't matter if I was a nine, 9.5. You know, if I wasn't a hundred percent sure of my salvation, then that's what needed to be addressed immediately and nothing else, nothing else mattered underneath that.
0: I'm going to give that just a moment to sink in with them out there. Because I think a lot of people just like you three or four guys find yourself in a relatable situation at that table. There's some people out here right now that just found themselves in a relatable situation to that as well. And here's the thing, like, I know we both understand that there is no amount of work, there is no amount of good deeds that any person can do to gain themselves entrance into heaven. And so a lot of times people think or they get deceived into thinking that, well, because I do all the things, because I go to church, because I attend Bible studies, I'm a part of, you know, not just one ministry, I'm a part of like three or four, you know, all those things. I read my Bible from time to time. I listen to a little bit of worship music here and there. I'm not doing all the things of the world as headlong as I could be doing them. So I, if we're on a points-based system, you know, I'm not doing too bad. Like you said, I'm, I'm not at the bottom, but I'm not at the top. But the reality of things is, is that when Christ deals with the heart, he deals so in absolutes. There is no in-between There is no what can I attain to? What can I do better? What can I, what can I do to earn my way admittance into Christ's kingdom? It's either he has my heart or he doesn't. And I think the point that, you know, that guy was making with you guys there just solidified that in your heart in that moment, hey, either I know Jesus or I don't. You know, either I have surrendered or I haven't. And the same is true for each and every heart in this room tonight. Either you have truly surrendered your life to Christ or you haven't. And if you can't say with full assurance that He is your Lord and Savior, then there are some things that need to be assessed. In all truthfulness, guys, there are some things that need to be diagnosed. There are some questions that you need to get answered. And we can't be any more dead serious about this than as dead serious as we are being tonight And I feel like it's one of the reasons why God placed it upon my heart to have these sessions over the next couple of weeks like we've done to kind of draw some of these things out where you guys can truly hear like Jesus himself says that on the day of judgment, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not do good works? Did we not perform signs and miracles and wonders? And in your name, perform many services. And he will look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You can do all the things in the name of Jesus. But if your heart and soul is not covered by the banner of Jesus, then it's not going to matter when it's all said and done. If you have not bowed your knee and confessed Him, and if you have not repented of your sin, then God's eternity in hell is your reality currently. But God in His love and His grace and His mercy is so good that He says that doesn't have to remain your reality. That doesn't have to remain the path that you stay on. You can come to me and I will forgive you of your sins. I will cleanse you by my blood and credit you in my righteousness and you can have a true relationship with me. You can move from a one or a two to a ten. You can move from a 4 or 5 to a 10. You can move from a 6 or a 7 to a 10. And so coming under conviction in that moment, you come to realize that, okay, here's why my life doesn't look like my friends. Here's why the way I talk about God doesn't sound the way they talk about God. Here's why the way that, that they talk about experiencing worship doesn't sound like or feel like the way I experience worship because I don't have a true saving relationship with Jesus. So after that moment, what are the next steps from there? What what transpired after that realization set in that you needed Jesus?
1: Yeah. So after that, it was a you know it wasn't a I said it wasn't like there was a radical lifestyle change because I'd already been doing um, all the works per se. I'd already been doing those things, but it was just a newfound um, you know heart and reason to do them, and a you know you know a heart for the loss and a a hunger to know more about Him. It was. I had, or I should just say, I had known about him. It was a hunger to know him, to know God, you know, and it was a, you know, I can think back like it was yesterday, just the, the mindset and mentality and, and heart change that I had in that moment that started to drive all the decisions that I was making, you know, that I had never really, just because I had been, you know, good working my way into heaven, you know, that wasn't affecting any of the decisions that I made in my life. It wasn't affecting my day-to-day other than what my schedule looked like, and so after that, um, after that change, then it became the driving force in my life for how I made every single um, decision. It wasn't wasn't a perfect road or It wasn't a perfect um, scenario. It wasn't batting a thousand, but it you know radically changed the way that I just looked at the things that I was supposed to be doing. And one of the verses that I had written down and wanted to share, or share with y'all was Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And so we've just talked about, you know, the works that we do, but God can't do those good works with the old me. But right? he can't do those good works or the works that he wants to do or he, ha- or he has for me with the old sinful Tucker. But right? he was anxious, um, anxiety, Um, selfish, cared only about me, what I wanted, you know, he can't do what he has for me if that's who I'm bringing to the table, right? I have to get my salvation right. I have to get my salvation fixed before those things can happen. And so after that, then, you know, I get to walk in what he's prepared for me, you know, but I couldn't step into that and I can't walk into that until I make the most important decision first. And that's like, like Trey said, you know, bowing the knee and realizing that I am in need of a savior, Yeah, that's so good. Like, I
0: I hope you guys really took that in right there. So like, you know, let me ask this, and I I know the answer to it before I even ask it, but just to kind of reemphasize the point, like, because I think so many people, they, they think about Jesus, they contemplate Jesus, they even hear testimonies of Christ and what he's done in people's lives, even like what you've heard tonight. But I mean, in all legitimacy, like, pull all the curtains back, take away all the smoke screens, anything like that. Has Jesus really changed your life? I mean, is this legit? Has Jesus truly transformed the way you think, the way you live, the decisions that you make and how you base them? Is this all legitimate? I mean, has Jesus truly been what his word says he is in your life, in your heart since that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, absolutely. Everybody's um, story is different, how Jesus has changed our life. That's the, the beautifulness of our God is it's not a one size fits all um, situation when he touches our lives and, you know, comes into our lives. But just the, the peace and joy that I've had in my life since in true peace and joy, not I've always been a very happy person. I've always been, I'm in a good mood. You know, that's not been a big deal for me. You wouldn't know if something was wrong, but I haven't always known true joy and true you know true happiness in him until I truly gave my life to him, and he you know radically changed my life and so for me, that's where the change was was when I was unsure about what I wanted to do with a career you know it could be unsure about a career choice, relationships, school um family, friendships, anything you know whenever I came to those things. I, was, I wasn't worried or I was, I may be nervous, but I wasn't anxious or fearful of the future. You know, I wasn't fearful for what it held because I knew that, hey, whatever happens, you know, I knew who my Savior was, you know, and who was in control. And so I may be nervous in the moment, but it didn't, that fear didn't drive the decisions that I made. And it did, it did before. You know, I think i definitely, like a lot of people made fear-based decisions whether I wanted to admit it or not. Whether that be scared of failure, you know, usually was the case. Or scared of being rejected or something like that. But, you know, after he did, you know, come into my heart, it was those things were still there. But they didn't have control over me. They were on the back burner.
0: This is what redemption looks like. This is what a redeem, this is what a restore, this is what a renewed heart and a renewed life looks like. It's not that we never continued to battle the same things that we previously battled but it's that we battle them with a different angle. It's that we battle them with a victorious Savior living within us that reassures us and reconfirms within us that His promises never fail and that His Word always holds true and that He will take care and He will provide and He will sustain and He will guide and He will direct every single step of our life when we are completely and totally surrendered Unto his will and unto his purposes. So Jesus truly changes lives. Like we don't, it's not just something that we say, it's not just a cool slogan, it's not just a pitch point around here. Everything that we do is is based off of the reality and the truth that Jesus will change your life. He will redeem the entirety of your soul and your heart and your mind. He will change everything about you. He gets rid of the old and he replaces it with the new. Now that's a process and it, and it takes work and there are things that he does throughout seasons of our lives to conform us greater, in a greater way to his image, to, to cause us to walk in a greater intimate relationship with him, to cause us to be more obedient to him in greater ways, to have a greater faith than we have at any other time in our life. And there are things that he has to draw out of our lives sometimes in order to do that. Like, I mean, he's made a radical change in Tucker's life. He's still got to get the Tennessee stuff out of there. Like, it's still a work in progress. There's still some things that have to be gotten rid of from time to time. But seriously, like, all joking aside, I had to. Like, Tennessee hate week, right? Where are my Tide fans at? Y'all know what that's like. But you know how it is. But, But Jesus really does change lives. And he really will begin to cut away the things of your old nature and replace them with his. And so... Kind of as we as we bring it to a close, um, if you had to give an encouragement to someone tonight who once again is kind of on the fence about this Jesus stuff, maybe they sat here last week and they heard Mallory's testimony and they knew the Spirit was drawing them in, but they just they couldn't make the move. You know, they they're still kind of hanging on the fence. If you had to give somebody an encouragement. That might be on the fence, even still, about surrendering in totality their heart and their soul to Christ. What would that encouragement be?
1: I mean, it seems simple, but you know, it's to go all in. You know, kind of expand. Um, you know, on why I think you know it's the greatest decision I've ever made. It's the greatest decision you all um, can ever make. It can ever make and. You know, I've been in your seats and been in a situation to where God was wrestling with my heart and I was hearing people share a lot of the same things I'm probably sharing now or hearing a, you know, a pastor every Wednesday, every, every Sunday I was in church. You know, I was hearing stuff three nights, four nights a week sometimes. And it was just, you know, one ear and out of the other where I was so hardened by what I wanted that I didn't want to fully surrender. You know, and I guess that's the word, you know, that I would use is, you know, a full surrender. We can't, we can't, you know, give our life to a Savior until we accept that we are in full need of that Savior. You know, I can't, until I fully die to myself and know that, that my way is the wrong way and it will lead to death and destruction, you know, an eternal separation from God, then I can't fully surrender because if I don't believe that, then I don't see a need you know, for surrender. And so if I, you know, I guess could give a kind of encouraging or a tangible answer is to, you know, talk to people, you know, have conversations with people that have been in the same spot or maybe have dealt with um, the same things. I know for me, it was so important to see the lives of believers that were my peers that I respected and see what that looked like and have conversations with them and just be candid. Like, you know, it's, it's tough to grow up in church and have a conversation like, hey, I'm not even sure if I'm saved or not. You know, I walk down an aisle at six, but I don't really know much about, you know, I don't, I'm not sure about my salvation, you know, but that's what full surrender looks like because that's the only thing, um, you know, that's the only thing that matters. And so I would say, you know, talk to, whether it's people here, it could be just godly people that you trust, um, you know, and be involved with them as much as you can, and see what that looks like in their life, and kind of just take inventory of. Hey, are, is that is that what's going on in my life? You know, have I experienced the joy that he's talking about? Am I have I experienced the peace that he's talking about? And man, if you haven't, like, I I can't imagine not wanting to or not wanting that. And I I seriously hope and pray that you all you know, kind of understand the gravity of that decision and take it lightly, but it's one that, you know, you're not going to regret and you're just, there's, will definitely be the same struggles and most of the, a lot of the same struggles, but I just, I can't speak to enough the peace and the joy that it brought me, you know, knowing who was in control of my life and who is in control of my life, you know, and the worriness that it was able to take away that, you know, there is no real... You know, if I do make a wrong decision, if I do do something in, in myself, right, that, I, that there's not, there's grace, but right? I'm going to make mistakes, but it's not, my salvation isn't up to me, you know, and if I'd never made that decision, it would have been, and I would have been, you know, spending eternity in hell and not with God. You know, we
0: started off, this night singing about the love of God and how he truly does love us, and that's the reality that we want to overwhelm each and every one of your hearts and each and every one of your lives. For those of us that, like I was talking about earlier as we got started, who have experienced the love of Christ, be overwhelmed all over again, that he would save a wretch like any one of us. But for those of you maybe who, who haven't and you're still holding on, you're, you're not sure, you're battling these inner voices of the enemy that is trying to discourage you, that's trying to persuade you that it's not worth it, that Jesus isn't really who he says he is, that he's going he's to cost you more than what you'll gain in him. Those are all lies. Guys, every single one of us that have given our lives to Christ will attest to the reality that it cost us our lives, but it gained us true life. And there's a big difference in experiencing one over the other. And it's a marvel to think that, you know, the same God who right now has opened up the heavens outside and is dumping a ton of rain that's cracking the lightning and popping the thunder is the same God that loves you, the same God that came to this earth that he created to die on two pieces of wood cut from a tree that he also created, to have people nail him to that tree that he also created so that you could have a relationship with him is incredible. That's an amazing love. That's an incredible love. And that's a love that we want each and every one of you to walk out of here knowing. So if you haven't, please don't leave this place without asking questions like he was talking about. If you have questions, ask. It's the greatest way to find answers. So as we finish up tonight, Tucker, thank you, man, for being willing to sit here tonight and share what God has done in your life. Can we give him a round of applause? It's really not easy to sit in these chairs and look out amongst you guys uh, and be vulnerable and real and open about what Christ has done in our lives, but the reason why... He chose to do so. The reason why Mallory chose to do so is because they know the greatness of our Savior and He's worth giving testimony about. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.